Well, this morning we finish our series of messages that's been called The Way of Wisdom. We've been looking in these last few weeks at points of wisdom, practical guidance given to us from uh, the book of Proverbs. And today we're looking at the wisdom of friendship from Proverbs 17:17. 17, 17. So go ahead and take your Bibles out and turn to Proverbs chapter 17. We'll find that passage in just a moment. Here's the key concept this morning. God designed us to live in relationship with others. We are designed for relationship. And these days, as we battle the effects of the coronavirus pandemic, part of what we're experiencing is the lack of relationships. People are asked to stay in their homes where the schools are closed and businesses are shuttered up. And you can see by virtue of just this internet-based service that we're uh, having this morning that even churches are closed and we're not able to gather uh, to worship the Lord. And church is the center for many people of their relational life. Temporarily not gathering is a, a difficulty. And, and all of this serves to reinforce the fact how, of how vital relationships are in our lives, how, how important friendships are. I saw this message on social media these days of course, social media is more important than ever uh, as we're all uh, closed up behind closed doors in our homes. But the message said this, a message to introverts, put down your book, call your extrovert friends, they're suffering. And the fact is that we're all suffering in one level or another, some maybe more than others, not being able to gather together. God has designed us to live in community, designed us to have friends and, and have relationships. Charles Schultz was the creator and artist and writer of the Peanuts cartoon strip, and he often wove loneliness and heartache into his stories. If you trace the arc of the characters of the Peanuts cartoons, every one of the main characters experiences some level of unrequited love. Charlie Brown and the little red-haired girl, uh, Lucy and Schroeder, Linus and Miss Othmar, who is his unseen teacher that he has a crush on. And even Snoopy at one point got, gets dumped at the altar. And Schultz uh, weaves these kinds of feelings of insecurity and feelings of heartbreak into the story of his characters uh, because he in real life experienced a lot of that. I'm told that in real life he was uh, brokenhearted by a, a red-haired girl. In one of the panels, Charlie Brown and Linus are standing, leaning on a brick wall, and they're looking into the starry sky at night, and Charlie Brown turns to Linus and says, let's go inside and watch television. I'm beginning to feel insignificant. And that's how we feel when we're lonely. That's how we feel when we don't have active and friendly relationships with others. We feel insignificant. We feel invisible. We feel unimportant. And here's what the Proverbs say to that, verse 17 of chapter 17, it says, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. We need friendships. We need those people who are near to us in times of adversity. Things are not enough. Cars, houses, jet skis, fishing boats, they're not enough. Technology, toys, and gadgets are not enough. We can accumulate all that stuff and will not, it will not cure our loneliness. Only people cures loneliness. But if we're honest, 
we would have to admit that very often, even outside of these unusual days, when we're needing to stay in our homes and practicing what we're calling now social distancing, our, our lifestyle, even beyond these days, sometimes makes it hard to make and to keep friends, those relationships that are so vital. The reality is, uh, I have a lot more friends on Facebook than I do in real life. Making and keeping friends is hard. Making and keeping friends requires effort, it requires sacrifice. Sometimes it requires taking a risk. It often is inconvenient or maybe a little embarrassing, but it's worth it. And the reason it's worth it is because things come up just like this virus, something that we couldn't possibly have ever seen coming, that we didn't know about. And when we are alone in these kinds of times, when we are emotionally and relationally unattached and we have no one to turn to, it's doubly hard to go through these experiences. We're simply not designed to live in isolation. Paul writes this in Galatians chapter 6. Carry each other's burdens and in this way you fulfill the law of Christ. But that calls for friendship. So today, let's talk a little bit about friendship. Imagine a bridge, and I'm calling that bridge friendship. It's a bridge into somebody else's life, someone else around you. That bridge has planks, if you will, that you walk on to travel that bridge. And today, I'm going to talk to you about four of those planks on the bridge called friendship. Number one, loyalty. Two, encouragement. Three, shared labor. Four, shared experiences that lead to shared memories. Those things are important components of friendship. First of all, loyalty. Loyalty means hanging in there no matter what. Loyalty means keeping confidences. Even when the information that you're hearing is juicy, friendships are the place where you can talk to somebody knowing it's not going to go any further because they are loyal to me. Loyalty means being quick to defend and assuming the best of another person. There are going to be times when we have to speak to our friends in love and give gentle correction. But as friends, we have their back. We stand with them and for them. Listen to this verse from Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. The imagery found in those verses comes from a culture where battle was hand-to-hand -hand combat. In warfare, you, you were up close and personal. And, and the picture here is two friends standing back-to-back, -back, literally having each other's back, defending the other person so that they will not be overpowered. That's loyalty. And we need loyalty in order to be and to have friends. Secondly, encouragement. In these days, who are you texting? Who are you calling? Who are you reaching out to to give encouraging, encouraging words? Many of you picked up our pictorial directory that we, were, we have just recently published. And I encourage you this week, if you have that pictorial directory at home, to go through the pages and look for the familiar faces and contact the people that you know just to speak a word of encouragement, to, to lift their spirits. Hebrews 3.13 says this, But encourage one another daily, 
as long as it's called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. What strikes me about that verse is the spiritual work that encouragement accomplishes, so that we're not hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We need positive, encouraging, Christ-honoring friendships. If we don't have those, that lack in their life, in our lives will we'll show. We need to have our spirits lifted and, and we need to put aside the false sources of help that would creep in if we don't encourage one another in the Lord. A substitution begins to happen, a worldly substitution, if you will. So instead of having a prayer partner, I have a drinking buddy. Instead of having a deep conversation with someone, we, we gossip together. One is a true source of help. The other is the deceitfulness of sin. To keep friends, be generous with your encouragement, be generous with your praise. You never know how important your words of encouragement and praise will be. I heard a story of a young man named Christopher Kerr. Christopher was walking home from school. He had just started his freshman year in high school. And he noticed a student on the other side of the street walking home with what looked to be everything out of his locker. All of his books, all of his, his uh, backpack, all of his materials, everything. And he wondered as he was walking home why this kid had cleaned out his locker and was walking home with all of his possessions. And while he was thinking about this, a group of other kids came up to that young man knocked his books out of his hand, pushed him down on the ground, his glasses went flying and so forth, and, and they walked on laughing and teasing him. Now Christopher just impulsively jogged over to the guy on the ground and, and helped him gather his stuff together, and he learned that his name was Kyle. And it turned out that Christopher and Kyle lived pretty close to each other, and so they, they walked home together that afternoon from school, and a friendship began that day. They started to hang out on the weekends and after school and, and just uh, pal around together. And for the next four years, they, they were best of friends. Now, Kyle, the boy who was being picked on, did well in school. And when graduation came, he was the valedictorian uh, of his class. And so during the graduation ceremony, he had to give a speech. And he came time for his speech and he said these words. Graduation is the time when you thank those who helped you make it through. You thank your parents and your teachers and your, your coaches, but mostly you thank friends. And I'm here to tell you that being a friend to someone is the best gift you can give them. And then he told the story of that day, way back in his freshman year, how he was carrying all of his books and all of his possessions home after school. He had cleared out his locker because he had planned to kill himself over the weekend. And he did not want his mother to have the sad duty to go and clear out his locker. And he says in his speech, thankfully, I was saved by my friend. He kept me from doing the unspeakable. He saved my life. And it wasn't until that very moment that Chris understood the impact of that first word of encouragement, that help up off the ground, and the rest of that the boy's life was changed forever. Encouragement is an important part of what you can give your friends in these days. Thirdly, in friendship, there's shared labor. James Hewitt is a Presbyterian pastor. He's one of those guys who's a handyman. 
He can do basically anything, can fix anything. In his garage, he has a large selection of tools, and the tools are all organized on the wall of his garage, put up on a pegboard. Each one of the tools is neatly outlined in black magic marker. He's just one of those very organized, very handy, very capable people. And he tells about the time when a new family moved into his neighborhood. And he saw the, the man struggling to put up a television antenna on top of his roof. Now, you can tell just by that little detail that this is some time ago. But he was putting up this television antenna on his roof, and it was clear that the new neighbor did not have the right tools for the job. So Hewitt went over with the tools. He helped him install the antenna. And later on, after the work was done, the, the new neighbor came over to Hewitt's house with him. They put the tools back in his garage, and that neighbor was... Uh, taken aback by all of the tools and the selection and everything that this guy had in terms of doing handyman jobs. And he asked this question, what do you make with all of these tools? And Hewitt's response was, mostly friends. That's a good answer. Mostly friends. Part of being a friend is helping out when needed. Part of being a friend is reaching out and giving assistance and aid when called upon. And helping starts with noticing when there's a need, and then giving time and giving effort to help. Like our verse says today, a friend loves at all times. A brother is born for adversity. Sometimes in the time of need is when we need that shared labor. This happens in our church relationships, in our church family. When you need help with someone to reach out, for someone to reach out and give you a, a, assistance, that's a blessing and an encouragement. But it takes relationships. And to build relationships, it means we need to be in places where that can happen, like our small groups, our Sunday Bible studies, our prayer groups, our Go Project uh, uh, teams that go out. The fact is, we can't create a program to meet every need. Even now, as we're trying to respond to the needs because of this virus pandemic, still we need to overlay our church response with relational response. Everybody reaching out to one another and giving assistance. Each of us needs to put the time in, in shared labor to help one another. That's part of friendship. The fourth plank in this bridge that I'm calling friendship are shared experiences that bring about shared memories. You see, shared interests lead to shared experiences, and those shared experiences give us those memories that we can look back on and we can recall together as friends. I remember the story of two old guys that were walking along the, the uh, shoreline of a lake. And as they were walking along, a, a frog came hopping up. And the creaking with age, one of those old guys reached down and he picked up that frog and he looked at the frog and kind of was uh, gazing at the frog, amazed with the ugliness of this creature, when all of a sudden the frog spoke. And the frog said, hey, mister, I'm not really a frog. If you kiss me, I'll turn into a beautiful princess and I will fall deeply, madly in love with you. Startled, the old man didn't do anything for a moment and then he just quietly slipped that frog into his pocket and the two walked along the banks of that, of that lake. For the longest time, his friend and he had just walked in silence. Nobody said anything to the other one. And finally, the, the buddy said, hey, well, are you going to kiss it? And the old man responded, I don't think so. At my age, I think having a talking frog is more fun. And it's the word fun I want you to get, kind of center in on in that story. Fun is important. It's important to have shared experiences that are fun with our friends that we can look back on and we can start 
uh, conversations with the line, remember the time. Like somehow these guys later on can say, remember the time when you found that talking frog. But it doesn't have to be that. It could be anything. It could be sports or crafts or camping or skiing, travel or whatever it is that you enjoy. That discovery of that common interest that builds a bank account of memories that we can reflect on as friends. That's part of what we need to have together. Relationships that share interests, that share experiences, then can share memories. Well, those are the planks of the bridge called friendship. Loyalty, encouragement, shared labor, and shared experiences that build shared memories. But underneath that bridge called friendship, there are two supporting pillars. And there's no way we can have friendships without these two pillars. One is time, and the other is effort. Time and effort go into having true friends. The fact is that that quick text you're going to send somebody, that's a start, and that's good, but it's not the same as a phone conversation. And that phone conversation that you'll have with that person is not the same as a visit. And that visit is not the same as sharing a meal together and spending time together, because friendships take time, and friendships also take effort. The effort of being there and, and helping one another, to celebrate times together, to rejoice together, it all takes time and effort in friendships. That's how we live as friends. But let's talk for a moment about how we make friends, because some of us, for some of us, this is exactly where we are. We're asking the question, it sounds great, but, but how do I make friends? Friendships happen in a context. Friendships don't just grow out of the ground like weeds. It means we have to put ourselves in situations where we can meet people and have friendly conversations. And the church is perfectly suited for that. In a church like Quail, I often remind you that we actually function on three levels of church life. Church life. For instance, let's talk about what we usually are doing at this time on Sunday morning. Usually on Sunday morning at this time, what we're doing is we're gathering together in our sanctuary and worshiping the Lord. I call that the celebration level of our experience. We celebrate Jesus, we worship our Savior, and when we do that, we are sitting in rows, facing forward, listening, reading, praying, singing, those kinds of things. But what we're not doing in that kind of experience, as wonderful as it is, we're not really growing relationships. I mean, you might meet people who are around you, and I do give you time to, to greet your neighbors, right? But usually, not more than 45 seconds or so, you're not going to build a relationship in 45 seconds. Because that's not really the situation or context in which we build relationships. And so we have to go underneath that celebration level and be a part of something in addition to that. And I call that the congregation level experience. Those situations that are 20 to 100 people or so, where you're doing something together that feels exciting, that feels useful and is a blessing, and you can begin to learn names, begin to put names with faces. It happens in our choir. It happens in our Go projects. It happens in some of our larger primetime or in Sunday Bible study classes, these kinds of things where we are in a context where relationships can be birthed and you get to know someone and you get to have a sense of who these people are. That's the congregational level.
But underneath that still, there's another level, a more intimate level. For, for the sake of alliteration, we'll call it the cell group level. Our life together groups are cell groups. Some of our Bible study on Sunday morning groups are, are cell groups. You need to be in those that level experience where we truly get to know other people and we are prayed for and we are missed when we're not there and there's a, a level of relationship that is formed. Along those lines, I want to tell you about a, a, a new experience that's coming this fall. We will launch a program called Rooted. At Rooted will be a whole series of small groups just like uh, I'm describing. Groups that will root you in the word and root you in relationships with other people. The point is, we need to be in these kind of situations if friendships are going to be started because that's where friendships are born. And so uh, exposing ourselves to those kinds of uh, contexts is important to make friends. Secondly, to make friends, practice hospitality. If our relationships only happen at church, we really don't have friends. What we have are acquaintances. Outside of the church walls, beyond the church campus, we need to be willing to open up our homes. And when we open up our homes, we open up our lives to one another. To build into another person's life, you can invite them over, get a, be a part of their uh, everyday existence. And, and, and if you have kids, for instance, you already have a built-in kind of uh, shared interest group. So look around in the children's programs and who else can you, in, can you include in your circle of relationships and invite into your homes. But this goes for all of us because hospitality is a way of making friends. And thirdly, as we seek to make friends, simply remember this. Be real. Be honest. We live in a fake society. All around us, people are pretending all the time. And in order to truly be a friend with somebody else, you don't want to fake your way through it. Don't try to be smarter or wittier or hipper than you really are. Just be the best you that you can be. And, and it's not about impressing other people, but it's about finding that natural connection, that natural inclination that God will bring uh, us to so that we can walk together supporting each other side by side. Friendships are vital. Let me end this morning by showing you an example of two friends that I think embody everything that I've been talking about today. And it goes back to 2012 and an article that I saw that came from October of 2012. I was shocked to see this news report about an Austrian skydiver named Felix Baumgartner. And Felix Baumgartner in October 2012 broke two world's records at the same time. He broke the world record for the highest skydive and the speed of the skydive. That record had stood for 50 years. But Baumgartner, on, in, in October 2012, jumped out of a capsule dangling from a balloon that was literally 24 miles above New Mexico. And he broke the sound barrier as he reached the, a speed of 834 miles per hour as he fell. In the photos of him jumping out of the capsule, you can actually see the curve of the earth. He's so high up. And it, to accomplish this, he had the uh, advice of a friend called Joe Kittinger. Joe gave him advice. He gave him encouragement. He helped him with some of the technical details, solved some of those issues. And their friendship enabled that record to be broke. And what was most incredible to me is that 
Joe is the man who had the record that Felix was breaking. But they shared a passion. They shared a friendship. They supported one another. And after the jump, speaking about this tremendous feat, Felix said this. It feels like if Joe is there, nothing can go wrong. That's the power of friendship. There is wisdom in friendship. In these days, we need to reach out, encourage, and be a part of the network of friendship in the name of Jesus that will help us along. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you call us to be friends, to have friends, and to live in relationships with one another. We recognize that this need in us is based on the fact that you forever, God, have lived in a relationship in the Trinity, and you call us to, to model that same concern. So enable us to reach out to one another, to be the supportive network of care that we need to be. Bless us as we seek to serve you in those ways, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.